And so the unchanging epigraph of our study of the depths of our imperishable inheritance is the book of Luke 24:44. Then Jesus said to his disciples, These are the words that I told you while I was still with you, that everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the laws of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. And so for us, as the participants of the body of Christ, to share with Christ the fulfillment of all that is written about him in Scripture, we will continue our study of our collaboration with the truth of the Word of God and with the Holy Spirit that reveals the truth that we have put into our heart by being instructed in the faith, revealing what we need to do from our side so that we can receive the right to the power to put off our former way of life so that we can put on the new way of life. Ephesians 4, 22 through 24. And this is not the only place of Scripture. It is also in Colossians and other books. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful lusts, to be made new by the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new self, created by God in true righteousness and holiness. This is the direct purpose of every individual person born from the seed of the word of truth. If a person will not understand his calling and will think that his calling is evangelism, good works, rebuking of demons, practicing of spiritual gifts, he will lose his salvation because his calling is that he cast off of himself. God can't deliver us from sin. He can't take it off of ourselves or cast it off to put off of ourself. Put off the old man that grows corrupt according to deceitful lusts that in the religious people is demonstrated in this way that they diligently start, start serving God and they serve where where God did not call them to or doesn't want them to be and they don't have a calling for and they have a lot of zeal they ha they they use a lot of money a lot of means um, they even go they study they go to religious colleges so that they can get some sort of a degree or or certificate or a doctorate degree of some kind and with these they try to push themselves to more uh, fame to more uh, work thinking they will be saved in this way no one will be able to receive salvation without the format of a guarantee that you need to turn it so that you can receive profit from it so that it become your own but for it to become your own you need to first put off the old man with his deeds and afterwards be renewed by the spirit of your mind and afterwards begin the process of clothing yourself into the new person that is created in accordance to God into righteousness and holiness. We noted that it is specifically our decision regarding these three destiny affecting acts to put off, be renewed and put on that will determine whether we transform ourselves into the vessel of mercy or vessel of wrath. Or more specifically, will the achieving of our salvation stand or happen that is given to us in the format of a guarantee or this investment, or will we lose it forever, which will then result in our names being forever blotted out of the book of life? And this, they may have been written there at one time, but then are removed.
What do we want to transform ourselves into? Into a vessel of wrath or a vessel of mercy? It's our decision. Either we choose our own personal calling or we agree with the calling that God has for us to put off our former way of life, be renewed by the spirit of our mind, and afterwards begin the process of clothing ourselves into the new person. In a particular format, we have already looked at the first two questions and stopped to study the third question. What conditions do we need to fulfill so that by the means of an already renewed mind, we can begin the process of clothing ourselves into the power of our new person, that is created in accordance to God in Christ Jesus, in righteousness and holy truth. Relevant to this, we stop to study the mystery that is contained in the format of an allegory in the 18th Psalm of David. Here, the Holy Spirit, with the wisdom and authority that He alone has, reveals the demands in this magnificent allegory, according to which we are called to collaborate our faith prayer with the name of God El Elyon, or God Most High. And the essence of this condition consists in this, that in the circumstances of our hardship, when we are putting off the old man, this is an unusual uh, situation that you're in when the circumstances are difficult, it's tight, everything, everything that is inspirational, anything that is as if living uh, is gone. In death, you won't experience any of that. You will just hear the wails of hell. You'll hear the shouts and wails and will sense your lusts and, and the power of them. You will feel greatly what's happening. That's what happened when you submerge yourself into the death. They begin to reveal themselves when you're submerged into the death of Christ, when you reject them. Before this, these lusts were clothed into religious garments. Until the this t- time, uh, Moses trusted in his uh, rod, his staff, and he uh, walked with it, and this rod, the staff, helped him. He trusted in it. But when God revealed to him what's in that rod, what he's trusting in, he said, cast it to the ground. You are trusting not in what you need to trust in. And when he cast it to the ground, there uh, uh, a ser- serpent came out of it, a, a poisonous one, and he ran from it. This is what we trust in. This is what our soul is like in nature. When we are born again, our soul remains the same. The new person is born again, but not our soul. Our soul remains this a serpent, this poisonous serpent for us. But God tells him, go back and take it by the tail. Of course, it's scary, but he was obedient to God and he took it by the tail, this poisonous serpent. And it became a rod once again in his hand. And God tells him, now, this is no longer your rod, your staff, but mine. This is what belongs to me. With it, you will, will perform miracles. And with this staff, I will bring Israel out of Egypt. You see how this uh, process happens when we are within a tight place in a hardship, when we are casting off this old person so we can call upon the Most High as to our God as David did, because in this psalm, he shows specifically where he was. Uh, suddenly, his lust, his ambition, everything came, uh, started rising in him, and he was afraid of it. And he called to, to the Most High as to his God and confessed the faith that was in his heart, saying, and we are to 
collaborate our faith uh, with the same stating who God is for us in Christ Jesus we need to confess that this is what it means to take the rod by the or the staff by the tail because the rod is our mouth the symbol of the rod is our mouth our lips and this is it belongs to the soul it is a member of our body it's the smallest one but it controls our entire ship it controls everything we need to also confess what God has done for us in Christ Jesus we need to confess who we are to God in Christ Jesus saying Lord I am your child in Jesus Christ you bore me by the word of truth you redeemed me from the hell pits of hell you made Christ my Savior and when you say this confess this this confession clothes you it and you don't have to feel that this is information you just fulfill it and it clothes you and suddenly your feelings begin to become obedient to those words you say and also what we need to do to inherit all that God has God has done for us in Christ Jesus the given allegory is one of the most powerful and all capturing examples demonstrating the collaboration of our renewed mind this is King David and God Most High and their violent conflict with the carnal mind in the form of King Saul and governing sin and this is again their violent confrontation in the form of or and so this King Saul and governing sin this is our old person with his deeds who supports our carnal mind all of this happens within our body these three kings that are warring within the body for our body in order to control it to govern our body the land of where this battle is taking place is your heart the king that you give preference to is the king that will be your master this will either be the old person either our emotions the old person and who controls our mind and our emotions this will either be Jezebel that will be uh, giving bad information as to Ahab or we give preference to our new person that is King David to then erect within our mortal body the stronghold of eternal life and clothe our mortal body into the imperishable pearl of the fruit of righteousness <clears throat> and so an old person the old person cannot receive this truth as it is beyond its uh, comprehension the old nature is trying to earn uh, things through personal righteousness personal good work if they uh, do more and if they learn how to practice spiritual gifts and will teach people how to evangelize because today there are entire institutions that actually teach this how to capture people into nets to capture them for Christ but they're actually capturing them not into nets for Christ you can't capture a person into a net not being a light a person that is carnal can only understand those that are carnal and so when they follow this person they both both will fall into a pit the blind leads the blind but when the blind suddenly begin to see and see that the one leading is blind they leave this person and begin to look at one who can see but the most unfortunate thing is that all these blind men 
think that they themselves are leaders because a blind can't trust upon a blind leader. He will trust upon his own personal experiences. He'll say, come and see. Touch this. What, what do you feel? Oh, this is a rope. Well, it's the tail of an elephant. I hear this very big. And so everything, this is just an example of when people feel things physically, all in the physical, how people can behave and how ridiculous it can be. But when you have information, and that information is the truth, you know what God, who God is for you, who you are to God, what He's done for you. This is information you know. You don't base it off what you feel or your senses. In its character, the prayer psalm of David contains three parts where we see demonstrated an example of the character of legitimate prayer that belongs to us as kings, priests, and prophets. We see the character of legitimate prayer in all of David's prayers, but or psalms, but the Holy Spirit wants us to focus on this one. The virtue of a king, this is our new person, consists in our mind. This virtue of a king consists in our mind being renewed by the spirit of our mind, which gives us the power to the right to control the emotional aspect that is in our body and put them under the bridle as a horse of battle. This is a renewed mind where it says consisting in our renewed mind that is renewed by the spirit of our mind. And so when he said, take it by the tail, now you won't trust in what you feel, but you will trust in what you know. You won't confess what you feel, but what you know. Who you are, who you are for God, who you... Who, what has he done for you? What has he put into you? What potential did, did he put into you? He put into you the potential, power, authority, nature, characteristics that he himself has. He has put it into the new person. In him are all of the characteristics. Our, our new person is inherent to the nature of God. It is born from the seed of truth. And so you have that potential, but you can't feel it in your senses. You can only know about what, what you have. Have. And you need to confess not what you feel, but what you know. We know that we have passed from death to life. We don't feel it, we know it. The virtue of a priest gives us the power to the right to approach God as a warrior in prayer so that we can perform legitimate intercession for the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ. Not so that God would save the world, but so that he can adopt our body by the redemption of Christ. That's our calling. When we will have this in mind, we become a light to the world, and the world itself will be attracted to that light. The virtue of a prophet gives our new person the right to enter into the holy of holies, the devere. This is so that we can hear the voice of God at the mercy seat within our heart. This is the throne of the Most High. That's within our heart. That is, of course, if we built ourselves into a temple of God with all of its belongings and all of its requirements. And therefore we give God then the proper foundation to hear the voice of our intercession so he can respond to us first part identifies the state of the heart of David as a warrior in prayer which is the required basis for the legitimate status of his prayer belonging to kings, priests and prophets because the kind of state we will be in is the way our prayer will go if our state as a whole will be overfilled with the word of God then our prayer will also be overfilled with the words of 
God. We won't be trying to build something of our own. We will perform prayer according to the word of God. Because God bows before his own words. He becomes, he's a servant of his own spoken words. He is vigilant in the temple of our body so they be fulfilled in the time that he has appointed. And when we begin to be vigilant over that same word that he's vigilant over that we have put into our hearts so we not sin and we begin to proclaim that word who God is for us God has shown in his word who he is for us what he's done for us who we are for him it begins to attract God it gives God the proper grounds foundation he needs to fulfill everything he said when it comes to us the second part opens up, up the consistency, of we said, of the legitimate prayer itself, which belongs to kings, priests, and prophets, which gives God the proper basis to deliver David from the hand of all of his enemies. The kind of state the heart will be, the way the, heart, the prayer will go as well. Third part illustrates the prayer battle itself in an epic way, which is beyond the limitations of the typical human mind. You know, prayer is a battle. It's not always satisfying. Sometimes it is satisfying. Sometimes I am very satisfied, I'm relaxed in my prayers. But sometimes, suddenly, a prayer becomes a battle. And that feeling of satisfaction leaves. You have held before you horror, darkness, but you continue to pray to overcome that darkness. And God said to Abraham, bring an offering. And so he cut into pieces, he put the, the wood, and he waited for the fire to come down, and the fire wasn't coming, and there was a great darkness, and great horror surrounded him. He was in complete darkness. God put him into hell in that moment, and he began to sense that horror of hell, and in that horror of hell, he began to speak to him, God is speaking to him, what will happen with his descendants, and what God will do and lead them out, and afterwards, it, at midnight, fire came down, and devoured his offering, and at this time, God then made a covenant with Abraham. When God makes a covenant with us, he makes it not when we perform prayer for satisfying reasons, but when we overcome our lust, desires, and we proclaim God's will, who we are in Jesus Christ, and we continue to do this, we stay diligent until fire comes down upon the offering, and when it comes down, then you will finally have that breath of relief, and God will make a covenant with you. You overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony and did not love, love their lives until to the death. In the previous services, we already looked at the first part and stopped to look at the second part, which opens up the consistency of legitimate prayer that is made by a warrior in prayer using the eight names of God Most High. These are uh, pretty much there are 50 names uh, total, and all of those names are in these eight that we list. The, I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I called to the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I have seen and have been saved from my enemies. Psalm 18, 1-4. We need to pray these names and confess them in these names 
names we see who God is for us. When we say to God who He is for us, then the Holy Spirit takes these words, these confessions of the, of the heart, and clothes us into them. And we become the same as God is at this time, because God clothes us by the power of the Holy Spirit in, the, in, in these words. Lord, my strength, the Lord, my rock, Lord, my fortress, Lord, you are my deliverer, my Lord, you are my rock in whom I take refuge, Lord, you are my shield from the arrows of the wicked one, Lord, you are the horn of my salvation, and Lord, you are my stronghold, where I can cover in Jesus Christ. In a specific format, as much as the Lord has allowed in the measure of our faith, we already looked at our inherited lot that is in Christ Jesus, that is in the power of four names of God, my strength, my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. And stop to study our inherited lot in Christ Jesus in the name of God, Rock of Israel. Before going in the way of all of the earth, David, in his last words, magnified God using specifically this name, Rock of Israel, in the power of which God made an eternal covenant with, God, with David, one that is ordered in all things and secure. Now these are the last words of David. Thus says David, the son of Jesse, thus says the man raised up on high, the anointed of the God of Jacob and the sweet psalmist of Israel. The Spirit of the Lord spoke by me, and His word was on my tongue. He says, The Spirit of the Lord spoke by me, and His word is on my tongue. Confess the word of God about yourself. About yourself, confess who, what God has said about you. The God of Israel said, The rock of Israel spoke to me. He who rules over men must be just, ruling in the fear of God. And he shall be like the light of the morning when the sun rises, a morning without clouds, like the tender grass springing out of the earth, by clear shining after rain. Although my house is not so with God, yet he has made with me an everlasting covenant, ordered in all things and secure, for this is all my salvation and all my desire, will he not make it increase? Second Samuel 23, 1-5 And so when we have the fear of the Lord, God promotes his desire in us that become then our own desires. The name of God, Rock of Israel, contains the nature of the Most High God and the character of His Word, which belongs exclusively to the lot of warriors in prayer. As in Hebrew, His name Israel means a warrior in prayer, giving the Holy Spirit a proper foundation to battle together with you against the overwhelming powers of our old person that is our soul that does not have the sign of circumcision. The word Rock in Hebrew contains the following unearthly virtues, sharp end or edge of a cliff, stone, a stone defense, blood, the shadow of a cliff, victorious, elephant tusk, elephant ivory. Specifically from this truth, we are able to build the throne for the Holy Spirit, where He can come and govern within our body, eternal governing, the promise of imperishable food, the comfort of peace. First, we will remember that the existing nature of prayer where David confesses his lot contained in the eight names of God Most High means that the given prayer comes from his heart and is made within the boundaries of the eternal covenant that is sure and eternal made between ourselves and God. And Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him 
whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. Then Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God has commanded him. Genesis 21, 3, 4. Eighth day, the number of the covenant. And so David trusts in the covenant of God. That's why he brought forth eight of God's names. What he trusts in, his prayer, the nature of prayer he has, that's the names that he will uh, use. Here he trusts upon the covenant that God made with him, and he makes a covenant in the eighth day, and so he brings forth eight names. Secondly, the given prayer is presented in the word of truth in the format of a strategic teaching, which is called to be our calling and royal garments. So it can clothe us as warriors in prayer into the virtue of kings, priests, and prophets who are anointed by the Holy Spirit to bring about governance over their mortal mortal body, to put your emotions under the bridle as a horse, as we talked about, so that he can be our friend and help us instead of our enemy. Because a stallion, he is still an enemy to you until he is broken, until he is under the bridle, until he begins to love you. And you need to know how to discipline, train him. And you can't do it suddenly. Your feelings will be running from you. They won't be obeying you. You need to carefully and quietly approach them and little by little train them that you are not their enemies because your feelings, they think that if you uh, limit them, it considers you an enemy. So you need to be approach your feelings carefully and ask wisdom, God, for wisdom, how to train these feelings as you would a horse. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, if you abide in my word and you are my disciples indeed and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free John 8 31 32 third in the given prayer the eight names of God contain the bond of all of the given names of God that God is vigilant over within the temple of our body and magnified his word above all of his names I will worship toward your holy temple and praise and the temple is us ourselves we are the temple of the Holy Spirit I will worship toward your holy temple David worships before the temple because that's where the Holy Spirit is. And praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth, for you you have magnified your word above all your names. Psalm 138.2 He has magnified his word within his temple above all his names. When God speaks his words, he immediately becomes subject. He is obedient to his own words. And so the word of God is above all of the names of God. Fourth, in the given prayer life of God, the eight names contain in themselves the bond of all of the given names of God. These names exist in a surprising balance one with the other, as they are dissolved in one the other and confirm the truthful nature of one the other. Also with moisture, he saturates that the clouds, he scatters his bright clouds, and they swirl about being turned by his guidance, that they may do whatever he commands them on the face of the whole earth. These clouds are the are those people that are born from God that have been has been grown into full measure of growth in Christ, filled with the Word of God. Clouds that are filled with moisture are people that are filled with the Word of God, that lives within the Word, abides within the Word, and the Word abides in Him. He causes it to come, these clouds, whether for correction or for His land or for mercy, 
Specifically, this is the perfection of God when He with the sun shines upon the righteous and unrighteous. And here's how He shines. For one as correction, others for land, others for mercy. Listen to the so Job stand and stand still and consider the wondrous works of God. Do you know when God dispatches them, these clouds, and causes the flight of His cloud to, show, to shine or to show? His uh, clouds will be led by the Holy Spirit. Empty clouds that do not have moisture, they are tossed to and from by various and foreign winds. Do you know how the clouds are balanced, those wondrous works of Him who is perfect in knowledge? And so all of the names of God, this is Job 37, 11 through 16, all of the clouds of God are balanced. No one dominates over the other. They are one with the other, and although he has magnified his word above all of his names, they are all in balance. In the world, you won't find this where it's magnified and still balanced with the others that are under it. The one that is exalted, elevated, is over, is considered greater than those under. When God magnifies his word above all of his names, they are just blended one into the other, dissolved one into the other. And that's why he says, can you understand that balance? The clouds are balanced, it says. It's not one dominating the other. There's none that are above or under. When we confess with our mouth the names of God that are contained within our heart, in the format of the Word of God that is within our heart, this is the faith of God, God receives the right foundation He needs to accomplish or make real our prayer as it is in accordance to the demands of His Word. Considering such a necessary tandem or such a union of God with man related to clothing our mortal body into the pearl nacre of immortality, it becomes vital for us to identify within each aspect of our essence the role of God and the role of man. As every time I repeat, as a common tragedy, the majority of Christian people, due to their ignorance, which is a result of their stiff neck, are inherently attempting to fulfill the role of God. This is their own to their own destruction. The reason is because when you fulfill or attempting to fulfill the role of God, you then present yourself as God, not understanding that that's what they're doing or that foolishness that they're doing or committing. When they are trying to become rich and say, this is God's will, God says, my will is that you seek the kingdom of heaven in my righteousness. Your role, or my role, will be that I will take care of you, your, your clothing, your food, your means, upon the condition that you will seek the kingdom of heaven in my righteousness. And so this is God's role, but we begin to seek wealth and riches, saying we don't want to de be dependent on the spirit of poverty. When you are under the control of wealth, you are dependent on the spirit of poverty automatically. And to differentiate our role from God's role, we came to the necessity to study four classical questions, what characteristics and categories identify our inherited lot in the name of God, Rock of Israel. What purpose in relation to achieving our salvation in the foundation of which lies the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ is our inherited lot called to accomplish in the name of God, Rock of Israel? What price needs to be paid to provide God a proper foundation to be our Rock of Israel to achieve the salvation of our soul given to us in the seed of the kingdom of heaven in the format of a guarantee? 
And fourth, by what results do we determine that God is truly our rock of Israel as it relates to the achieving of our calling, consisting in the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ? Therefore, only having grown the tree of life within the Eden of our heart as the fruit of a wholesome tongue, as it is written, a wholesome tongue is a tree of life, Proverbs 15.4. People sometimes think that the tree of life is some kind of misunderstood something uh, that will be uh, when we die, when we go to heaven, and we will eat of the tree of life. We eat. Uh, this is the fruit of our mouth. And so, when we grow the tree of life, this is the wholesome tongue, we will be in the likeness of Christ. Christ said, learn from me how to humble yourself, to have a, I am lowly and humble in my heart, he says. And so you can, you then be, learn to be his student, then your tongue will become then that tree of life. It will be a wholesome tongue. A person receives the legitimate right to demonstrate the righteousness of his faith and obtains the grace of God as the good wife, due to which the grace of God begins to govern within the temple of his body. But until this time, there will not be any grace within man. There will be the law that discovers sin, gives power to the sin, so as that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, Romans 5.21. And so grace reigns through righteousness of heart. Righteousness of heart happens when a person accepts justification and afterwards begins to confess who he is to God. And when he accepts this justification and agrees that he's dead to sin, living for God, agrees that God has erected within his body the stronghold of life, not when it will be erected, but that he already has done it. Done it. He proclaims that not existent as existent, and God accounts this to him as righteousness. And when he confesses this, this is the fruit of righteousness. And he in this way restrains himself, his tongue, he doesn't say what his feelings want to say or what his mind, his intellect may want to add into that. He, he, he proclaims information that he has received from the preached word. We will remember that only a person that thirsts to hear the word of God invests time to this word, lives by this word, abides in this word, and the word of God abides in him, will be able to continue to stand in battle against the ancient serpent and escape deceptive nets of the devil in order to inherit salvation of his body by the redemption of Christ. In a specific format, we already studied the essence of the first two questions in the previous services, so we will turn our attention to question three. This is the condition, the gives the Holy Spirit the right foundation to lead us into the inherited lot that is contained in the name of God, Rock of Israel. The essence of the third question consists of what price needs to be paid so that we can provide God a proper foundation to be our Rock of Israel. We already studied the first five of the components of the price providing God with the right foundation to be our Rock and stopped to study the sixth component of the price. And this is that gives God the, this sixth component, giving God the proper foundation 
foundation to be our rock of Israel consists in demonstrating our all-devouring zeal for God to complete the long journey to the Rocky Mountain Horeb. We've noted that the journey to the mountain of God Horeb, representing the holiness of the law, where God reveals himself to his nation, is the path of total sanctification that pursues the goal of total dedication to God, which we are called to look at as something that is happening within our sacred person. Upon the condition that the essence of total sanctification pursuing the goal of total dedication to God happens in our partaking our membership to the chosen by God remnant, which is the good wife. We can't sanctify ourselves not being part of the good wife, not being part of your church. When we forsake our church, it doesn't matter what reason it may be, there's no longer a sacrifice for sin in order to renew us with repentance. We then go to our own destruction because our church, there are other churches, some people easily just go from one to another, understand that your church is not a club where you can leave and go to a different club. This is the body of Christ. How can you forsake the body of Christ? And if something is not likable to you, then in no other church will you find peace. You will never find it anywhere else. Even though you didn't have it beforehand, because if you forsake your church, that means you never had it. If we will be looking at the given event out of the boundaries of our heart and out of the boundaries of the temple, that is the worshippers of God, we will not have any opportunity to achieve the format of the given sanctification that is called to become the price, giving us the power to the right to enter into the inherited inheritance of our lot in the name of God rock of Israel in the given event the price paid for the power to the right to inherit our inherited lot in the name of God rock of Israel consists in our zeal for God demonstrating a complete form of total sanctification that pursues the goal of total dedication to God that is presented in four sequential components in a specific format we already looked at the first component of the price which is accomplishing a total form of sanctification which pursues the goal of total dedication to God, which consists in the event that gives us the power to the right to inherit our inherited lot in the name of God, Rock of Israel. This consisted in a sentencing verdict over King Ahab that in the coming years there will not be a dew or rain, but only at our word. And Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, Ask as the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except by my word. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, Get away from there and turn eastward and hide by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan, and it will be that you will drink from the brook. And I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. He drank until the brook dried out. This brook is a symbol of death. And when the brook dried out, God sent him to Sidon to the widow, to the widow, if you remember. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord, for he went and stayed by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. The symbol of Elijah in the given event is our sacred person that has grown into full measure of growth in Christ, a perfect man. The full measure of growth in Christ of our sacred person consists in this, in his zeal 
world that has reached such a level or such a measure that he was ready to accomplish a total form of sanctification with the goal of total dedication to God and challenge the intelligent aspects of his soul as King Ahab and the corrupt desires of his soul as Jezebel, who represents the corrupt desires of our soul. Practically, the famine that continued for three three years and six months was called to humble the intelligent abilities of our soul in the form of Ahab by submerging them into the death of the Lord Jesus Christ in order to deliver us from the dependence of our corrupt desires. This is Jezebel. Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. When we take by the tail that serpent, then a new new life begins. Then he'll say, now your lips will not be your own lips, they will be mine. Now you will say only what I want you to say and not what you want to say. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin, for he who has died has been freed from sin, Romans 6, 3-7. The symbol of the king of Israel, Ahab, in the given event is the intelligent aspect of our soul that is being governed by by the corrupt desires of the flesh and the symbol of his wife Jezebel. Second component of the price of our total sanctification in the given event, giving us the power to the right to inherit our, our inherited lot in the name of God, Rock of Israel, consists in completing the journey to the widow that lives in Zarephath, that is, in the region of Zidon. The virtue of the widow that is from Zarephath, that is in Sidon, was in the death of her husband, who represented governing sin that lives within our body from whom we need for whom we need to die. The symbol of the town gate at the city of Zarephath, where Elijah met the widow of the city. Imagine this happens in one body, this widow is the soul of Elijah that no longer obeys or subject to uh, her other husband because he died. And so the symbol of the town gate of the city of Zarephath where Elijah met with the widow of the city, these are our lips. Town gate is our lips that are cleansed in the furnace of testing in order to clean our lips from all foreign inclusions, rotten and idle words. The word of the Lord are pure words like silver tried in a furnace of earth purified seven times. Psalm 12, 6. The word of God doesn't need to be purified. It's pure. But why does it say that it needs to be purified? Because when we receive this word, the flesh always wants to add something of its own into it so that the interests of the flesh be included. Because in the word of God, there's no interest for the flesh. There's only interest for Elijah and for the new person. But for reigning sin, there's no interest or benefit to him. And so he wants that. And so that's why we begin to um, melt, uh, melt this uh, silver, cleanse it from foreign particles, components, so that our prayer can be so much in accordance, could be purified from foreign uh, uh, particles that we would pray very accurately according to Scripture, according to God's will. 
It's noteworthy that a melting place or furnace where the word of the Lord that is received by us into our heart is cleansed from foreign particles or inclusions of the flesh are lips that praise us. The refining pot is for silver and the furnace for gold, and a man is valued by what others say of him. Proverbs 27:21. Not those lips that speak against us, but those that value or, or praise us. That is that refining pot, that is the furnace. Because those that persecute us, they, they, this humbles us. But those that praise us, value us, then we don't see God in that moment. We say, oh, well, see how they say, say this about me or how they talk about me. And so you need to be very careful in that moment when you are praised for something. Take watch or take heed or watch. When someone praises you, don't ever say thank you. When someone compliments you, it's one thing, or you say you have a good dress, you have a nice hair, hairdo or whatever, you say thank you. But when they begin to praise you as in, uh, as a person of God, be very careful with that. Because Paul says, I, I literally became almost uh, to foolishness because I wanted to hear praise. Uh, and so they may praise uh, you to others, but Paul said, I started boasting about myself. I started telling people what God did through me, and they should not have done that, Paul says. He condemns the works that he did in that moment. And so the lips of a person that praises us is that melting pot that's that furnace we need to examine ourselves not by what a person says about us and someone may who may be praising us but examine ourselves according to the information of the word are we in accordance to that information or not because no one knows what's within a person except the spirit that's in him when someone praises me they don't actually know who I am when there's lusts and desires in me and they were praising me I was saying to the Lord Lord they don't even know what they're saying they don't know what's inside and I calmed myself and I asked God how do I free myself from this I stopped pay attention, paying attention to people outwardly I didn't say things or do things, but inside there were many other things as everybody else's because we're born in iniquity. As David says, I was born in iniquity and in sin my, my mother brought me into the world in sin. And so the symbol of sticks that the widow was gathering in Zarephath, that is in Sidon, at the town gate of Zarephath, are praying words with which we are called to turn to God so that He can cleanse us from all lawlessness so that we can bear an offering of our lips to Him. Take words with you and return to the Lord. Say to Him, take away all iniquity, receive us graciously, for we will offer the sacrifices of our lips. Hosea 14.2 she was gathering sticks at the at the gate of the city she was forming her prayer and she was forming it from prayer words 
And so this is what will ignite our offering. Prayer words that are in accordance to the demands of holy truth, that is our mouth confessing the faith of God that abides within our heart, are the sticks by the means of which we are called to prepare our spiritual food, so we not die from hunger that is called upon our earth. The food in the form of the flour in the jar and oil in the pot that the widow of Zarephath that is inside and had is included in uh, in the group of items necessary for total sanctification called to be the price giving us the power to the right to enter into the lot of inheritance that is promised to us by God that is contained in one of the powerful names Rock of Israel. Elisha told her give me drink she did she went to get uh, water and he told her while she was going as you bring the water also bring me a small cake and she turned uh, a small bread or cake and she turned and said master I have a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil left I can prepare this that's why I'm gathering the sticks so that I can prepare that food but we will eat this and die because famine, starvation. This is the time where it says they will seek the word and not be able to find it. I will bring forth a hunger. And it won't be the hunger of the bread or hunger of the water. It will be hunger for the truth. This is what's happening here. It's not talking about physical food. It's talking about spiritual food. She went and did how Elijah asked her and told her. She did make a small cake for him. She gave it to him. And then after that, she began to prepare for herself and her son. Because her son is the promise that she had received for the adoption of her body by the redemption of Christ. Because she died already for this sin. And then he, she, and the son ate what they had. Our new person can't for himself be fed. He needs the soul. He needs the renewed mind. He needs the lips because he will be fed by the confessions of our mouth. This widow and she will speak and then they, that will happen. It's not him who gathers the sticks, but she gathers the renewed mind, gathers the sticks gathers the prayer words in order to prepare the spiritual food in order to eat it and not die from hunger. But when she is obedient to her new person and she prepares first for him, in this way, the flour does not diminish, the oil did not diminish. And this means that a person, first of all, how can we give the Elijah, our new person, the first cake? For the new person, food is meditating about the Word of God and speaking in tongues. When you pray in tongues, when you walk and you pray, you're driving and you speak praying in tongues with the goal of nourishing your new person, feeding him. Because you don't understand what you say, you will nourish yourself with words you do understand. I will pray in spirit and I will pray with mind. And when you pray in tongues, Pray also with your mind as well, so you can uh, nourish yourself as well. But first, pray in tongues in order to nourish your new person, to feed your new person. I pray with tongues for the one reason, to feed my new person. I'm not trying to, what is God saying to him? Sometimes the new person uh, shares that information that has been received, but I pray and I meditate, constantly meditate. I constantly meditate to a point where 
I began to forget uh, even sometimes simple things uh, and it actually scared my spouse uh, at times because I was so focused upon the Word of God in my mind and I'm always always working on it and in my mind it's the truth is always there and I can maybe forget about something I need to do physically but I don't forget about what is needed for the spirit and in this way my spirit becomes stronger it becomes strong and becomes sturdy and I also so nourished by this I'm just telling you how you need to feed Elijah first prepare a cake for me and then prepare for yourself and your son the third component of the price of our total sanctification in the given event giving us the power to the right to inherit our inherited lot in the name of God rock of Israel consists in meeting with Ob Obadiah who was in charge of Ahab's house that proceeded for Elijah a meeting with the king of Israel Ahab first king 18 1 and lower and it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year saying go present yourself to Ahab and I will send rain on the earth so Elijah went to present himself to Ahab and there was a severe famine in Samaria and Ahab had called Obadiah who was in charge of his house now Obadiah feared the Lord greatly it's interesting that uh, Ahab being such a wicked person he had the overseer of his house was somebody who greatly feared the Lord so for so it was while Jezebel massacred the prophets of the Lord that Obadiah had taken 100 prophets and hidden them 50 to a cave and had fed them with bread and water and Ahab had said to Obadiah go into the land to all the springs of water and to all the brooks perhaps we may find grass to keep the horses and mules alive so that we will not have to kill any livestock so they divided the land between them to explore it Ahab went one way by himself and Ob Obadiah went another way by himself now as Obadiah was on his way <clears throat> specifically by himself he went his his own way suddenly Elijah met him and he recognized him and fell on his face and said and said surprisingly is that you my Lord Elijah and he answered him, It is I. Go tell your master, Elijah is here. He said, How have I sinned that you are delivering your servant into, into the hand of Ahab to kill me? As the Lord your God lives, there is no nation or kingdom where my master has not sent someone to hunt for you. And when they said, He is not here, he took an oath from the kingdom or nation that they could not find you. And now you say, Go tell your master Elijah is here? And it shall come to pass, as soon as I am gone from you, that the Spirit of the Lord will carry you to a place I do not know. So when I go and tell Ahab and he cannot find you, he will kill me. But I, your servant, have feared the Lord from my youth. Was it not reported to my Lord that I did what I did when Jezebel killed the prophets of the Lord? You are the father of the prophets, he's telling him, how I hid 100 men of the Lord's prophets, 50 to a cave, and fed them with bread and water. And now you say, go tell your master, Elijah is here. He will kill me. 
Then Elijah said, As the Lord of hosts lives, before whom I stand, I will surely present myself to him today. So Abadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. If you can picture these individuals and God within your body and their decision to divide the land between them to explore it with the goal of finding grass to keep the horses and mules alive, each one went their own way. To better apprehend the given components of our sanctification in the studied by us event, this is necessary in order to enter our inherited lot in the name of God, Rock of Israel, we will study it in three consecutive parts. And so the first part, Ahab and Obadiah unite so that they can explore the land and find grass for their animals. Second part, before showing himself to Ahab, Elijah meets with Obadiah, Ahab's house overseer. Third, Elijah shows himself to Ahab and commands him to gather all of the Israelites upon Mount Carmel. We will remember that each component, component or moment of our sanctification in the studied by us event, giving us the power to the right to inherit the lot that is in the name of God, Rock of Israel, is called to happen within the entrails of our essence upon the condition that we are a partaker or member of the good wife, possessing the virtue of the narrow gate. It is noteworthy that after when God told Elijah, go present yourself to Ahab and I will send rain on earth, at this very moment Ahab calls for Obadiah, the overseer of his palace, and says to him, Go into the land to all the springs of water and to all of the brooks. Perhaps we may find grass to keep the horses and mules alive, so that we will not have to kill any livestock. The essence of the famine that continued for three years and six months indicates the middle of the symbolic week, written in the prophet Daniel that was temporary where God took prophet Elijah alive to heaven. Therefore, we began studying this famine not in the hunger for bread and not thirst for water, but thirst to hear the word of God. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord God, that I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread, nor thirst for water, but of hearing the word of the Lord. They shall wander from sea to sea and from north to east. They shall run to and from seeking the word of the Lord, but shall not find it. In that day, the fair virgins and strong young men shall faint from thirst. Those who swear by the sin of Samaria, who say, as your God lives, O Dan, and as you, as the way of Beersheba lives, they shall fall and never rise again. And this is Amos 8, 11 through 14. Searching the springs of water and brooks in the <coughs> brooks in the lad, there were there might be grass oh, in order for there might be grass in order to feed the animals indicates the fact that the bread of life can only be there where the water streams of eternal life exist therefore the animals symbolize the life system of our spirit our soul and our body he sends the springs into the valleys they flow among the hills they give drink to every beast of the field the wild donkeys quench their thirst and so this is a symbol of our body that is not yet clothed into the pearl nacre. By them the birds of the heavens have, have their home, they sing among the branches. We see there, there's also nourishment here for the mind as the birds. He waters the hills from his upper chambers, this is the new person. The earth is satisfied with the fruit of your works. He causes the grass to grow for the cattle and vegetation for the service of man, that he may bring forth food from the earth. 
Psalm 104, 10 through 14. In the second part, before showing himself to Ahab, Elijah meets with Obadiah, Ahab's house overseer. So they divided the land between them to explore it. Ahab went one way by himself, and Obadiah went another way by himself. Now as Obadiah was on his way, suddenly Elijah met him, and he recognized him, and he fell on his face and said, Is that you, my lord Elijah? And he answered him, It is I. Go, tell your master Elijah is here. In the given words, we need to pay special attention to the formation of the phrase and the word one way by himself. Ahab went one way by himself, and Obadiah went another way by himself. Although the way upon which Ahab and Obadiah went were different from one the other, how they became, as well as the various levels and state of these ways. The word by himself in the given place does not refer to the state and method of their travel upon these different in their nature paths upon which the method or form of travel was different from one the other, similar to how the flight of a bird is different from the walk of a horse on land who gallops upon the earth, or another comparison, the ability of a bird that swims in the uh, that of the of the fish that swims in the water is different from the ability of a mole who burrows underground in other words speaking symbolically the method of ahab's travel was defiling or abominable to abadia and the opposite the method of travel of obadia was abominable to ahab for example we find something similar in food and eating that was specially spe served to Joseph, to his brothers, in a special way, and the Egyptians that also ate with them in a special way because the Egyptians were not able to eat with Jews, because it was an abomination for the Egyptians. In the given situation, the word by themselves is presented in three realms, in the realm of the spirit, soul, and body. Genesis 43, 31-32 Then he washed his face and came out and he restrained himself and said, Serve the bread. So they set him a place by himself and then by themselves and the Egyptians who ate with him by themselves because the Egyptians could not eat food with the Hebrews for that is an abomination to the Egyptians. Relevant to studying the second part of our sanctification, it is necessary to study this series of questions. Who is Obadiah, the overseer of Ahab's palace within our essence, who unlike his master was a person who greatly feared the Lord. What does it mean when they divide up the land between Ahab and Obadiah and their method of travel, each one himself going to his own way? Who are the 100 prophets within our essence that Obadiah hid in caves? What is this bread and water that Obadiah fed the hidden by him prophets, hiding them from Jezebel, the wife of Ahab? Obadiah was not just a man who greatly feared God, but was also a very valiant and brave man as he in secret against the will of his master when Jezebel was killing the prophets of the Lord took 100 prophets and hid them 50 per cave and fed them with bread and water in Hebrew his name means the servant of God Obadiah servant of God according to the split roles of each of these individuals Obadiah was the middleman between King Ahab and Prophet Elijah the middleman between our sacred person as Prophet Elijah and the wise abilities of our soul as King Ahab is our intuition this is the connector between the wise abilities of our spirit as our new person and the wise abilities of our soul 
As in the tabernacle of Moses, also in the temple of Solomon, the role of Obadiah as the middleman between the Holy of Holies and the bronze altar that stood in the outer courtyard is the golden censer or golden incensory. We need to note that such a cooperation is only possible upon one condition, and that is when we build ourselves into a spiritual house, into a holy priesthood, so we can bring spiritual offerings that are acceptable to God in Jesus Christ. If a person is not yet a temple of God, but only thinks to be, then of course he does not yet the holy have a holy of holies or the altar or the sensory that would be able to walk from the holy of holies into the outer courtyard and back. This was the middleman. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. And so this doesn't mean that the word of God but it's showing the example as a newborn babe desires the pure milk of the word pure milk you desire the pure milk of the word coming to him as to a living stone rejected indeed by men but chosen by God and precious you also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ First Peter 2, 1 through 5. And so when we build ourselves into a spiritual house and we have all of the belongings there according to the command of God, then the sensory will be able to start doing its work, be the middleman between the mind of Christ within our spirit and our renewed mind. If a person has not built their body into a temple of the Holy Spirit, his intuition will not be able to be the golden censer. As the overseer of the palace of King Ahab, able to conceal within two caves 50 prophets each in order to feed them with bread and water. Who, in our essence, is the 100 prophets that Obadiah, in the format of our intuition, <coughs> hid from Jezebel in two caves, 50 prophets per cave, and fed with bread and water. Considering the fact that Ahab represents within our body the intelligent aspect of our soul, dependent upon our emotions, as Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbaal, ruler of Sidon. The name Ethbaal means sharing the community with Baal or a follower of Baal, this is the father of Jezebel. In his time, Ethbal, the father of Jezebel, was a priest of Astarte, and after killing his brother, King Phelis, and took his throne and became king of Tyre and Sidon. The number 50 represents freedom from sin. At the same time, the number 100 that is made up of the two groups of 50 prophets represents the perfect will of God in the good soil of the human heart that is able to bear fruit to God 100-fold. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what is sown in his heart. <clears throat> this is he who receives seed by the wayside. But he who receives the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while, for when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and become unfruitful. 
But he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Matthew 13, 18 through 23. And so this is all in one person because our spirit bears fruit 100-fold. This is a symbol of the spirit. This is fullness or perfection. A priest is in the form of 60 and our mind renewed is the 30-fold. All of this is in one person. When it's talking about the 100 prophets that are concealed in our heart, that Obadiah as our intuition hid in caves and fed with bread and water, this 100 prophets is the word of God that we have hid in our heart so that we not sin in the format of the testimony of Jesus that abides within our good heart. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Psalm 119.11 Let us be glad and re rejoice and give him glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready and you know the marriage of the lamb starts specifically on earth it happens or starts on earth because upon this place there will be someone there with a gar uh, that did not have wedding clothes if you remember uh, he is then thrown out in heaven that wouldn't happen it's only here and to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. This is the clothing of our body into the pearl nacre of immortality. Then he said to me, Write, Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true sayings of God. And I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, See that you do not do that. I am your fellow, your fellow servant and of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Revelations 19.7-10 Testimony of Jesus inside of us is the spirit of prophecy. It needs to be in every person. That doesn't mean every person needs to be a prophet. Every person needs to be a pro someone who prophesies. Because as soon as you confess God's faith, you prophesy. I understand, for the most part, people are used to it, that prophecy is when a person speaks in tongues and then he ha has words that are random, that, that, that he starts shouting, and, and you're trying to connect them. And so then they start asking brothers, how do we put all this together? And, and they say they don't know, just meditate about it. And so, watch who you give your lips to. True prophecy is when you cleanse the word of God seven times, purify it from all the chaff of the flesh, and begin to proclaim this word of God. This is the spirit of prophecy. This is the testimony of Christ. Because the spirit of prophecy, you will testify of what Jesus wants in your prayers. Having the prophetic spirit that reveals itself in the testimony of Jesus is to be determined by the presence of the kingdom of heaven within our heart in three components that are united into one or symbolically speaking are hinged together or in one harness. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. Romans 14, 17, 18. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. This is the one that serves Christ. This is one, the one that is acceptable to God <clears throat> and approved by men. 
<coughs> These three components are within our heart guards, protecting the boundaries of holiness of our Heavenly Father. But now having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 6, 23. The situation where the 100 prophets that Obadiah fed with bread and water were split into two groups of 50 prophets. One group of 50 was in one cave and the other group of 50 was in another cave indicates the fact that the testimony of Jesus has been established or confirmed within our heart. And so when it's uh, uh, when it's showing there's uh, double or two in this is a confirmation. Being in the cave indicates the fact that we are in Christ, who is the stronghold of our salvation. Why did he become the stronghold of our salvation? Because our heart became, for him, a stronghold. He will never become the stronghold of our salvation if our heart will not become a stronghold for him. When one of the people told him, I will go after you, he says, you can't because you have holes for foxes and a nest for birds, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. He is not a stronghold. You don't have a stronghold for him inside of your heart. And the other said, he said, come, uh, come follow me. And he said, let me first go bury my father. And he said, no, let the dead bury their own dead. Your, your uh, parents have rejected me and don't follow me. And he did have a stronghold. And so when Christ has a stronghold within our heart, then can he become our stronghold? We first need to get, uh, provide one for him, and he becomes then ours. If you turn to me, I will turn to you. First, we turn to God, and then he turns to us. He offers to us blessing and cursing, life and death, and uh, offers us to, he offers that we choose life. And so whatever uh, webs of sin we may be or obstacles or deaths we may be in, as soon as we choose life, he comes to us and leads us out of that circumstance. Bread and water with which Obadiah fed, with the, pro fed the prophets of the Lord, representing within our heart the testimony of Jesus. In righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, bread and water symbolizes the truth as the elementary teaching of Christ and the symbol of the Holy Spirit who reveals, this, who reveals the mystery of this truth that is within our heart. Behold, you desire truth in the inward part, and in the hidden part you will make me know wisdom. Psalm 51, 6. And now let's pay attention to the third part of our sanctification, which is the price that gives us the power to the right to inherit the lot in the name of God, Rock of Israel. This is where Elijah shows himself to Ahab and commands him to gather all of the Israelites upon Mount Carmel. After Elijah, as our sacred person, met with Obadiah, which is our intuition, who is the overseer of the palace of Ahab, representing the intelligent aspect of our soul, Elijah tells Obadiah, go tell your master Elijah is here. Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. Then it happened when Ahab saw Elijah that Ahab said to him, Is that you, O troubler of Israel? 
And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house have, in that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and have followed the Baals. Now therefore send and gather all Israel to me on Mount Carmel, the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent for all of the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel. 1 Kings 18, 16-20 Obadiah accompanied Ahab to the place where he met Elijah. He was the middleman for the meeting that followed that took place between Ahab and Elijah and his con conversation that took place with Elijah. This indicates stability or the sure nature of the implement, implemented by God law where when we have created where we uh, by which the collaboration of the wise aspect of our soul with the wise aspect of our new person can happen exclusively by the means of the intuition which is the middleman. In the given conversation, Prophet Elijah using Obadiah convinced Ahab that he encounters and confronts the prophets of Baal upon the condition that Ahab will gather all of the Israelites upon Mount Carmel so that the nation of Israel together with Ahab would become witnesses of this confrontation. Because of the fact that the name of the mountain Carmel means garden with grape vines and fruit trees, the judgment of God in the confrontation of Prophet Elijah upon Mount Carmel, representing within our body our new person with the prophets of Baal, who represent the work of the flesh within our body clothed into garments of pseudo-righteousness, will happen within our body from the position of the grown by us fruit of righteousness. This confrontation will happen within us. The name Baal literally means ruler or master. They always planted trees to the side of the altar of Baal. They used these trees to carve the image of Astarte, who they considered to be the wife of Baal. Is the Israelites called Baal by the name Yahweh, saying Baal is Yahweh. Baal had a lot of names that actually belonged to God who created the visible and invisible world. The worshippers of Baal thought the, the fruits of the earth depended on Baal and the increase of, our flo of their flocks and called him the master of the heavens, Baal Shemem. The religious cult of Baal consisted of a wild variety of lust satisfaction seeking unnatural inspirations. Considering this, the cult of Baal precisely corresponded with the cult of Astarte, as the service of Astarte was uh, uh, was also the service of Baal, the one she became becomes fertile by or by the one she conceives, by whom she conceives. The physical symbol of Baal w was Thallus, the gender organ of a male in the form of a pillar with a carved top. The altar of Baal were, uh, were built in the form of a pyramid purposed for the reflection of the sun that looks like a, a flaming fire that were a miniature copy of the Babylonian tower at the top of which was the temple to the god of the sun. Those who burned incense, both male and female, lived in those idol houses of Baal. These were so-called holy fornicators that dedicated themselves to the service of the idol house, and they served by earning money committing prostitution. Clearly, we see the deep, perverse effects of such a cult. A remembrance of such perversion was written as a reminder for the Jews, the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, where the cult of Baal brought forth especially bitter fruits. And although this historical moment was written as a reminder of what not to do, although 
They were told it is forbidden to have any sort of contact with the servants of Baal. The prophets strict and burning words to the Jews. The Jews always had a special liking to this perverse cult. And all throughout biblical history, starting from the time of the chosen by God nation being brought into the, into the Palestinian land, shows how they were attracted to this cult. The powerful influence that Baal's cult had in Canaan is shown in many places of scripture and even indicates names that were formed from the name Baal at the top of the rock in Ophrae Abba's right, belonging to Gideon's father Joash, they called Baal, uh, Baaloth, also known as Arabiel, which means belonging to Baal. I'll bring forth, I won't bring forth all the names that are listed, you can look at these later, but uh, there are multiple names that were given to Baal, uh, which had virtues that belonged to God. The worship of Baal consisted in a person trying to please God with his service and personal good works. Prophet Elijah is our new person that has been grown into full measure of growth in Christ and our fruits of the Spirit, that is uh, spiritual thinking, will deal with the prophets of Baal. And these are the desires of the flesh and fleshly thoughts. And so these works of Baal will be against our spirit and the works of the spirit and the goal would be to make us famous by uh, materialistically making us prosperous and making us physically uh, well. The prophets of, <coughs> of Baal are the 450 prophets that lead those in their likeness will have conflict with the prophets of Elijah and this will be because of a special format of service the special format of service uh, where they shout and they and they yell and they practice spiritual gifts <clears throat> these will not be spiritual gifts they will think they're spiritual gifts that pursue the goal of becoming to having an effect and becoming famous so they can evangelize, so they can materialistically become prosperous and convincing the people that they overcome spirit of, of poverty and they'll have false miracles and signs. The worshippers of Baal were shouting and screaming, if you remember, around their altars and they had the goal was a perishable wealth, which was silver and gold. You'll see for yourself, you can make the conclusion how much today's Christianity is similar to the worshippers of Baal and call him Christ. Then Solomon went to Ezion Geber and Elath on the sea coast in the land of Edom, and Haram sent him ships by the hand of his servants, and servants who knew the sea, they went with the servants of Solomon to Ophir, and acquired 450 talents of gold from there, and brought it to King Solomon, Second Chronicles 8, 17-18. 450 prophets of Baal, people look at how free they are from the spirit of poverty. In this situation, gold, that is 450 shekels, or is that is given to King Solomon where was wealth that is imperishable, that is called to free us from the sinful conduct passed down from our parents and to depend on wealth that is imperishable and freed from perishable wealth. And so Solomon was still in the right uh, con uh, state, but because of this gold, they then became perverse and began to convert the wealth of faith into physical wealth. 
the devil will copy. He took 450 uh, the gold talents and there are 450 uh, prophets of Baal that will give you blessings of fertility and so forth as they did. If you, call, if you call on the Father who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourself throughout the time of your stay here in fear knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers but with the precious blood of Christ 1 Peter 1.17-21 Amen, let us pray and thank God for the word that we were able to receive today so that it would find in our heart place these two caves <coughs> Heavenly Father <coughs> in the name of Jesus Christ I thank you for your church upon the place where you have opened the springs of great waters and have given us your words and we have placed them into the caves of our heart upon the tablets of our heart that is in these two caves representing these caves and we nourish them we feed them with food and water bread and water we confess with our mouth who you are for us what you've done for us and who we are what you've done for us and who we are to you may you bless your nation so that they can perform a total form of sanctification so that they can fully dedicate themselves to you so that your nation can understand how to separate themselves from the worldly things and put the heavenly things as first in their life priority in their life so that you can do your role and we can do ours may the works of the devil be destroyed in your nation may illnesses and sicknesses be cursed in your nation may all the webs and shackles be destroyed by the power of your word and the spirit of your and your holy spirit i give your nation into your hands so that you prepare them for the adoption of our body by the redemption of christ which will become the guarantee of our rapture to meet with you. I worship before you, our great God, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. And now let us proclaim our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. <laughs>